I can admit to myself that I still want to see Sam and all my old lovers. This is fairly typical of me. I fall in love with people, and then I don't really fall out of love until I meet someone new. When I can't sleep, men I don't see are my frame of reference for a truly good kiss or reading comics over hot chocolate on a winter afternoon. I wonder about this. How will my view shift when my next relationship comes? Sam, for example, will go from past love to tall, goofy friend, and his flaws will be more pronounced versus the grace I afforded lovers and family. This makes me question the nature of love, obviously. When do we ever see each other clearly? Do we ever truly love anyone, or can we call these constant shifts in loyalty? Or perhaps, and I favor this idea, it's that we continue to love them all and that we survive, become more ourselves through new love and holding the flaws of old relationships in our hands out ahead while we keep tides of adoration behind a dam. This is how I understand nostalgia, the flood inside us calling out, causing tides of non-linear time to ripple down our shoulders. I can and would not relieve myself of these memories. That's what makes me brave and a very pretty fool. That was day 278 of Meg Reynolds' uh, incredible year-long project of doing a comic a day. Um, Meg's here with me now for the third episode of the Roostone Foundation podcast, and we're talking about her project and what she's working on next and um, all the surprises and foibles that uh, came along with um, doing something of this magnitude. Um, so Meg, I'm hoping you can start us off by just talking about how this um, this project began and, and what even that that you might call it specifically. Was it a comic a day? Was it doing some sort of visual art a day? Was it writing a poem a day? Was it recording um, feelings, writing them down? What what, what was the initial um, spark that started this project? Well, it was first a uh, an accidental experiment. I was sitting at a bar for a poetry reading with a friend of mine, and another friend sent me a text message to encourage me after the day after a breakup. Um, after a long-term relationship that uh, lasted two years, we, we wrapped it up, and the next day I go to this poetry reading, and a friend of mine sent me a video of David Attenborough sitting on a rock while two albatrosses had sex at his feet, oh, and just how sort of ridiculous and uh, calm Attenborough was at the face of this nonsense going on and like beneath him. And she just thought it was really funny. And I thought it was really funny, but I was not very capable of laughing. And I mm -hmm. felt it was a, a really apt um, sort of metaphor for how I was feeling at that time where I was just sitting there being fine while some kind of absurd disaster was going on underneath me or like mm -hmm. kind of inside me somehow um, and how I had to kind of continue doing all of the things that normal people do when you're really when you're living your life like getting up and going to work and having breakfast and going to this poetry reading I wasn't completely prepared to be at 
And so I started drawing. I drew that metaphor and um, as, a, as a poetry comic. And then that's what it was where I thought, I could do this every day. This feels better. And then I, within a couple of days, decided at a year. And the math was, I heard a quote once that said, probably from Sex and the City, where they said (laughs) (laughs) how it takes you half the time you were with a person to get over them. And I was in this relationship for two years, so one year should do it. And I thought one year of comics should do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I and I also recognize the role that ritual plays in uh, marking time and in yeah. uh, sort of organizing feeling mm. and and watching things change over a long period of time. And I was really prepared to do that. I I wanted to hurry out of the sadness that I was experiencing, but there was no moving it. There was no hurrying it. There's no altering the pace, and so. This just marked the time with regularity. Mm. If I couldn't hurry it, I had to know it was going. Mm. And so the comic let me do that. And mm. So I called it a comic a day, even though they're often not very funny. Right. Um, it's sort of a misconception that comics, in a way, are funny. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think that there's there needs to there sometimes needed to be, to be or... rather than because the way that com- comedy works often that like when um. Oh God, Hannah Gadsby in her special Nanette talks about it's a raising of attention and then I control the tension and then I relieve the tension oh, as being an, an important uh, structure in comedy. And I think that that's somewhat what I was doing most of the time that I was forcing whatever tensions I was experiencing forward with the hope of relieving them. Um, and sometimes they did. Sometimes mm-hmm. they really didn't. I talked a lot as I read over them again in the last few days um, about how tired I was and how yeah. I just couldn't rest properly. Mm-hmm. And so I kept thinking, if I'm going to do this comic, it's going to make me f- be able to sleep. And maybe for like a couple minutes it did. And then after a while, it, it helped me rest a- more and more and more. And that's as I was feeling better. So, yeah. yeah so, so you saw that sort of evolution of it in a way working. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And who's to say, like, I could have been doing all kinds of things, you know. I could have been uh, knitting a, a very, very, very long scarf. Yeah. I could have been, <laughs> I could have been doing a Digging lot. Digging a very big hole <laughs> right. in, the, in the yard outside for a year. And time is a great healer. Yeah. Um, but that, that does, I mean, we say that, but we know plenty of people who never get over something. And spend a lifetime sort of never processing it in any sort of creative way or any way that that offers a release from um the sort of trauma or grief that uh uh, that a relationship can bring you Mm. um so i i don't think it's it's a small thing you know what you've done and the cool thing i think that's happened now that i've finished the project and it, it it really well finished the year and on to revisions, um, is that I didn't believe, especially in the early days of the grief and of the project, that I, I didn't know this, that I couldn't have articulated it, but I didn't believe I could do it, that I could be made uh, better by this process, that mm-hmm. there's something that gilds you when you make it through a certain level of the grief that you're processing. Mm-hmm. And um, But once I, it was, I finished on November 27th, once I did that last line on the comic, I pushed back from my desk and just breathed for a second and thought, I am the person that did this. I'm the wow. person that finished. And yeah. and 
and I've let, and I've done something really, um, loving to myself because I let, I'm letting him go. I'm, I'm being loving to him because I'm letting him go. I want anybody that I've ever been in love with to be happy. Um, because, because, because that's part of loving somebody Mm -hmm. is that even Mm -hmm. if you're not with me, you are going and being more of yourself. I just want, I do want more of him in the world. So, okay. Well, we've, the other thing is, is that you're listening, you're listening to this dear listeners and you can't see right now that there's a beautiful image that is above, um, the paragraph I just read, uh, of a person doing cat's cradle with vines and flowers so there's some beautiful hands. This is line drawn in pen and ink on uh, 11 by eight and a half by 11 um, sketch paper. Um, so t- talk to me about uh, the challenges of choosing the image to go with the text that was written or what came first often or how, what's your process like in combining a picture and text? Um, oftentimes what would happen is I'd be walking to work and, um, or driving and the text would come first. Mm -hmm. And so it it was when I wasn't really paying attention or trying in a a particular way to find it and it would arrive. And these are on the good days when, when something comes. And so I would articulate like it a little bit more, I'd roll over it in my mind. Um, and then I did a lot of things to prompt the, the image for the longest time. I was just drawing a lot of small self portraits, my little self doing things, you know, whether it was taking a bath or trying to sleep or failing to sleep or Tinder swiping or something, whatever it is that I was doing. (laughs) Um, and then I started using, um, uh, when I was at work, um, I would look up this great, website called women who draw and there's all these amazing illustrators on there where it's just a huge forum for female and female identifying illustrators and so you'd click on uh their the picture that i thought was interesting line that i really admired composition i thought was strong and i'd wander around in their stuff looking for inspiration Mm. um until i found an image that i thought sort of paired well um from an emotional impulse standpoint with the text I was trying to put together. Mm. And then I would create my own composition sort of inspired by, uh, by whatever I was looking at. Mm. And so, and that's when I couldn't think of anything. And then, uh, eventually it got to a place where I started, I stopped needing to do that. I think the first hundred days I was just weird little self portraits. The second hundred days I was looking on women who draw. And by the, by the final third, I was really, um, sort of making stuff, on my own and the symbolism I couldn't always predict what it was that I was going to pull from but I think a lot of it came from you know the illustrations that I was exposed to when I was young that I love folk tales and woodcuts and um and children's book illustrations and Mm. fairy tales and um and so a lot of my my little figure um, that I drew of myself would travel through some of these landscapes. Mm. Um, and, and I, and so eventually like a picture would come into my head and I would be able to, I would be able to draw it. And it was often, um, 
either exactly where I was in that moment. So drawing pictures of my desk or drawing pictures of my kitchen, but then also, um, me drawing myself as like a very small figure against like a massive river and Uh, like distant rocks or trying to climb through a cave or, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it came from a lot of different places, but I, I owe a lot to the illustrators on a, on um, Women Who Draw because I was I was looking at their work quite a bit. And we'll link to that in the show notes so everybody can see that really amazing website. Well, I would love if you read um, another one of the pieces, and um, and we can put the uh, visual up on the show notes as well so people can look at the beautiful handwriting and and visuals. As I stepped out of the house this morning, the air felt occupied and electric, the way it used to when I stepped on stage, the earth poised for something to happen. Judge Kavanaugh and Professor Blasey Ford speak in a Senate hearing today, and I wait, through fear and fury, for what comes next. I can't separate my grief in the last year from grief over my country, the weight of the daily insults to our dignity that hangs over the story of 2018. Professor Ford's story sounds familiar and entirely predictable because me and my friends pass such stories back and forth over breakfast or coffee dates, tearfully recounting the times our bodies were reduced to parts again and again. When I used to think of the worst thing I'd ever done, that which would keep me from running, from ever running for public office, I land on the party in Wakefield the summer after my freshman year in college. I was not a very experienced drinker, so after too many cups of jungle juice, I jumped in a kiddie pool to jello wrestle my friend Jenny. My self-esteem was low at the time. I was partway through losing weight I'd gained freshman year and desperate to be liked by this crowd of strangers. The wrestling was awkward. We were drunk, and it got in my eyes, a stinging, sticky pink film. One of the drunk boys reached for Jenny, and I pulled her away, thinking they were both too wasted for him to be safe. The boy had been in my high school Latin classes and seemed nice enough. Then he went for me, and I didn't stop him. I don't know why. I usually want better for my friends than I do for myself. We stumbled to the nearby lake to make out, then up to the cabin bathroom to have sex, and the whole time I said yes, though I was more drunk than I'd ever been, and threw up partway through. I don't give his name. He's married now with children. What we did, I experienced as trauma. I often think of it as mutually assaultive. I don't think it felt good to him either. Every time we publicly discuss sex in the inept manner we do it, I think of her. The chubby, frightened 19-year-old I hid in exile in my body until I weepily discussed her in counseling at 26. To be alone now means that I don't know whose hand to hold in this crisis, except hers. I just feel like so many women can relate to that story and to those feelings in such a strong way. Yeah. This is, uh, this is part, I mean, this is memoir. Um, it's, it's prose, but I know that you're very interested in poetry comics and do you consider these to be in the genre of poetry comics? I think that, I mean, loosely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that the poetry comic genre, part of what I love about it so much is that it does feel expansive. I, I recognize that a lot of my work is, 
uh, right now is really prose oriented, but then it often sort of descends and tumbles into um, poetic images. Mm. Um, and then I want the the image itself to interact with the mm. text in a poetic way. Yeah. Um, and all of those, to me, um, po- let it sit within the form. Mm. That because um, the image completes the the piece and and the and sort of the message of what it is that it's trying to say that it is an equal an equal participant in the sort of the gesture that it becomes poetry comics to me yeah um because all the strokes kind of all hang out together yeah and that if, if, if there's so much that wouldn't be revealed if it weren't for the images um that sit along with the text yeah yeah it does a lot of work to bring the body into it too. Cause I think so many, I overthink everything and, um, the words, the text oftentimes represents a spinning set of thoughts that get resolved in the last couple of lines. And then also in the presence of the image Yeah, and that, um, and that resolution is only possible when I can kind of embody the understanding and the strongest comics in the, in the the collection that I'm working on are the ones that were able to feel resolved because I've, I've felt them in a deep way, um, beyond just me, like spinning sentences in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you finished this project, you finished the, uh, year of, um, comics. How are you editing these? That is the million dollar question right now. I the the basic logic of how I've been approaching it so far is that I read them all and then I put them into two piles, finished and unfinished. So the ones that seemed very very close to done, if not done, got um, sort of stacked in the back of this file thing that I carry around. And then I took the other ones and I separated them into theme based piles. And then each one of so that I can watch the thread of my thinking on different themes that appeared in the in the comic across the year you know my relationship with sam my relationship with other friends and other men that i met on like tinder dates and stuff um stuff about my body stuff about sex and politics as those two that i just read are kind of fall within that um i want to make sure that i'm not being repetitive and so i'm just keeping an eye on the way that 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 my thinking unfurled across the year yeah um and and so i'm just going to redraw the ones that were good ideas that I didn't render very well that day because I was busy or hungover or whatever yeah, so I was. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I like that you're letting yourself go back and make some changes and you're not like everything that's set in stone that I did that day, you know. Um, uh, so you're, you're going to put them together into a collection? Is that is that, that the goal? That is the goal, yeah, that they will be a, a book yeah. when they are when it's all done and you know, I've never done something like this before. So I have to, you know, figure out where to even begin researching and who to ask and how one edits and, and sort of brings together something like this. I, there's a lot of text in, in this collection. And so I'm realizing that I, you know, I wouldn't make a book that's 365 days long just because I think it's too, there's too much. And, um, so I, it's like, how do I slim it down? How do I, um, sort of pull out the the main threads and let those be articulated but not over articulated mm. um and it's going to be a challenge yeah <laughs> yeah and that's sort of interesting the process of 
of assembling a book is so much as important as writing the book itself. Yeah, yeah. And and the way that I talked about it, you know, I took, I finished in November and I took the month of December off um, intentionally. And, and by the time December ended, I was like really hungry to start working on it again. I yeah. feel like the weight <laughs> of not great. drawing and, and them all being like in my, I stuck them in a stack in my closet and I could just feel they were calling to me, just yeah. like, come and hang out with me. And, um, and so I, but I went from an actor in the process. Like I just felt like an actor that was being guided by the day, the script of, that day that and that particular experience and sometimes the the ideas that cohered for whatever reason on that day but now I get to be the director yeah and it gives me this power over the narrative um that feels like power it feels it feels strong like a stronger position than when I was just kind of at the at the whim of my feelings in that day Um, Not to say that I don't get overwhelmed by the feelings that appear in some of these. Like I had one that I read the other day that I just started crying and was like, wow, I'm so, I'm so happy that I've made it past that point in this experience that, oh, you poor little, like, like I was talking about yesterday, like I felt like a rag pile, just like wet and limp and disorganized. And I just wanted to hold that version of me. Um, But, but I can, but I can then be like, wow take a deep breath. I I'm done that part. And I, where does that piece of feeling go now in the, in the greater arc of what I'm trying to say? And, um, and yeah, it's, it's really, it's, I'm excited about it. I'm terrified. Mm. There's, there's certainly elements of, of me, uh, laying out prostrate watching cartoons because I know that I'm about to do something difficult and I need to gather up all of the energy. Yeah. And figure out a way to also do this in a way that feels that that is very upfront about the fact that this is just my side of of this experience and that anybody who appears in the narrative, Sam in particular, have their own version of the story that right. lives with them out in the world and that um, being as authentic but also as kind about yeah. him as possible. Yeah. You're gonna have a tell-all memoir from Meg Reynolds, <laughs> Burlington up in Orange. Create all this ridiculous scandal. Like in, uh, uh. yeah. Well, uh, so Meg, I'm so excited for this project, um, and I'm excited to see what you do next because I, I know besides editing this book into a masterpiece, I know you're gonna be doing a lot of great things, and um, I, for I, I know. One thing, for example, I love uh, that Meg does is she runs a reading series at the Lamp Shop in Burlington, Vermont, called Lit Club. Lit Club Club at the Lamp Shop. Monday nights, 7 to 9. Every Monday? Yeah. We are on a break right now for the holidays. We do an annual breather um, mid-December to mid-January, but our Uh first one back... Um, is on January 21st. Rajni Edens will be hosting. It's a Voices of Color showcase, and so mm-hmm. we'll be back, and then we go straight on through the till, year. Through the year mm-hmm. until, so we've got some great, great poets coming up. We've got some um, poets from, um, uh, sorry, from Champlain and from St. Mike's coming more. Uh, we've got another Women's Night, women's like women's-themed poetry coming up. We'll have, we're planning on doing... Um, more we did a we did a 
poetry series with um, like gender nonconforming voices and trans voices. We'll do that again. Um, and just a bunch of some people coming in from out of town. It's just, it's really fun too. It's like the most gorgeous space in my favorite bar I love ever. that. I love that. They have great cocktails and really fun lamps <laughs> lamps everywhere you just and, it feels like a, a speakeasy yeah. burlesque like turned up just a little bit and, and i get on stage and i'm like what am i even doing yeah. it's so gorgeous it's so fun on the stage and the bathroom's awesome too it's like i love the green walls and the gold framed pictures all the artwork up there yeah. and like copper yeah it's and you can get food next door you can the food's good next door you yeah. can walk through like three restaurants Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all owned by the same guy, and it's just, it's the best. I love, I love hosting there. It feels, and it also feels like, it's another thing that I just feel like the, the Lamp Shop reading series just feels like my baby. You're like, yeah. I just, I love it so much, and mm-hmm. um, it's... And you get to, you get to, like, be, be the poetry scene in Burlington, basically. Yeah, you know? there's, I mean, there's <laughs> other stuff, yeah, there's other stuff going on, but in terms of, like, what I, I just, it it, it is my my favorite poetry thing to go to in Burlington, even when I'm not hosting. And, um, I love being able to build community like that, that there's Mm -hmm. somewhere everybody can go. And there are so many secret poets all around us all the time. You just like, people will come up to me that I would, I don't know what I'm judging, but like, but in the, that I never would predict, um, that like I write poetry kind of on Sundays when I'm kind of on my kids are taking a nap or whatever. And I'm like, this is where you, this is welcome. This is yeah. where you read those. Do it. And, yeah, um, that's so wonderful. I like, I like that a lot. I like the idea that people's yeah. secret lives um, and this, the things that they love kind of quietly get to be, um, have a place to be explored and expressed. Um, and we make, and we have all of these rituals that, like I have built and Rajni has built he's my like he's my co-host he's another fabulous poet where we show everybody who's on stage that we're excited that they're there like anybody who's a newbie we celebrate that mm-hmm. anybody who's got new shit we yell about that mm-hmm, we like mm-hmm. send people energy from the stage we yell, like when they get nervous we we yell things like I support you you're gonna do great <laughs> <laughs> it feels kind of goofy but yeah. I like people it's it's nice like yeah. I in the middle of, especially in the middle of the current, like, governmental administration that we're living in, it's, like, it's so nice to have a space where we can forget about that and sort of, like, be be this, be this world we want to happen where p- people can say kind and vulnerable and, you know, brave things and then be supported. Yeah. And that, you know, the questions about what truth is and what it's not kind of get thrown out the window because we're just making art and yeah it's 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 a good it's yeah. a good breather the fake news of poetry so beautiful <laughs> so gorgeous <laughs> yeah yeah and oh poetry community in burlington i do love them so thank you so much meg reynolds poet artist teacher lives in burlington vermont you can Read her work in uh, magazines such as The Missing Slate, Mid-American Review, Fugue, and the anthology Monsterverse, Poems Human and Inhuman, as well as The Book of Donuts. She is co-director of Writing Inside Vermont, a program that offers writing instruction at the Chittenden Regional Correctional. We didn't even tap into that, but (laughs) next time. Meg, thank you. Thank you so much. 